Hello and welcome to week nine of the Extra Point podcast. You'll know this by now, but I'm Matt Templemarsh. I'm back with Ross Williams and another week of profit for the Extra Point pod. Ross, talk me through your winners. Yeah, making a little bit of a habit of this now, aren't we? Um, it's nice to see. Yeah, a couple of winners for me this week. Uh, last week, should I say. Um, Titans minus two and a half. We were all over that, weren't we? And uh, for reasons you're going to go on to, it was quite, looked, looked really, really nice. So Titans minus two and a half. Landed pretty easily on the Houston Texans at 10 to 11. Uh, and yeah, the Wembley game was particularly profitable for us. You actually attended the game, so I'm sure you cheered these. It wasn't very good. It was not very no, good. No, it was the upside of a pretty poor game on, on the face of things. But at least we got some profit from it. Um, yeah, we called it the Travis Etienne game. We thought it was going to be his breakout, and it was. Uh, he managed to get a touchdown quite late on. He made me sweat for it, I must admit. But yeah, nice plus money, 13 to 10. Uh, he could have been shot around. He got a little bit more potential on that. Um, yeah, Travis Etienne got in there for a tud. Um, a couple of really nice winners for yourself as well. Yeah, these past two weeks of my cheat sheet, I'm at plus 17 points of profit. I am loving it right now. I had ETN, like you mentioned, for his um, rushing yardage line, and then Evan Ingram as well for his very low yardage receiving line, which, you know, it adds that flair of nobody else is cheering Evan Ingram getting these catches, and <laughs> I'm the only one in there cheering for that. And then, yeah. Derek Henry, I was, it crossed my mind for a second. Shall I back the 200 yards just as maybe a one point tip? But I couldn't be doing that. But yeah, 200 yards and for me, two touchdowns at a very nice price. So yeah, let's get into these week nine tips. Right, on to the tips for this week. And Ross, kick us off. We are going to Las Vegas Raiders at Jacksonville Jaguars. What have you got for me? Yep, absolute stinker game. I think it's going to be an absolute shocker uh, in that six o'clock window in the UK. Uh, yeah, two two win teams going in a few weeks ago. Even the start of the season, this might have looked like quite an attractive game on paper. It really doesn't now. Uh, I don't think so. I'm looking at this Raiders Jags game. Uh, I'm looking at the under in this. It's the first time I've done it this season. I've not looked at an underline all season long, but uh, 47 and a half is the current line on this game. That might waver a little bit uh, either side, but I'd be going for it regardless. Um, yeah, I like the under. I don't think either team can do a hell of a lot through the air, really. I mean, the facts, obviously, we mentioned in section one, you had Evan, Evan Ingram's over, but that kind of, you know, he's a, he's a tight end, ultimately. That's, that's kind of where he's aiming at. He's not kind of trying to go over the top Trevor Lawrence, and he's looked a little bit shaky in the last few weeks. And Derek Carr's just not 2021 Derek Carr, I'm afraid. It's just not really working for him. It's going to be Definitely his last, last year of being a Las Vegas Raider, I think. Yeah, I'd suggest so. Um, it'd be an interesting one to look for in the spring. Um, yeah, it's a run game, this one. I think it's a running game. Josh Jacobs has been uh, a flashpoint for the Raiders, probably having his best season in the NFL. Travis Etienne, obviously, we'll talk about him at the top of the show. You're going to talk about him a little bit more in a sec. Um, obviously, had a breakout game last week. It makes sense Doug Peterson will go uh, with the ground game again. Yeah, and 47 and a half, if you want more justification for it. The numbers kind of just add up. Uh, combined points for these teams... So far this season are 44.8 combined points uh, against uh, 44.7. The fact the line is not 44 and a half in this game is a bit mad, really. I don't really understand that. The fact it's 47 and a half gives us an extra field goal, essentially, to play with uh, on the average. Take the under, and I think you're, you have a tip in this game as well, which will kind of play into this narrative. Yeah, yeah, I'm back on the Trevor Etienne hype train, and it plays into the tip just because I think there's going to be a lot of rushing because... These passing attacks just aren't very good. And Travis Etienne is very good. Every single week he is having the new best 
best game of his career. It is unbelievable. And in London, he just went mad. This is his second 100-yard rushing game in a row. But the important thing is, two weeks ago, he had his career high in terms of rushes, and that was 14. In London, he had 24 carries. So mm. eclipsing that by 10, 10 extra rushes, he's picking up over six yards per carry, which, I mean, having 24 rushes per game, six, yeah, and six carries per rush, he, he just looks insane. I'm tipping over 100 yards total. I saw his line, but I just thought, I really like the value in pushing that a bit further. And you can get over 100 rushing yards at 11 to 5, which you just think about who he's competing with. Obviously, James Robinson was that competition, but he's out of town now. It's Jermichael Hasty who had, I think, three or four rushes, and Snoop Connor, who didn't even get on the field, I don't think. So yeah. it's all just ETN. And mm-hmm. the important thing is his big playability, where he's going to manage to get up to 100 yards. These past three weeks, he's had rushes for 49 yards. Week before that, 49 yards again. And then the week before that, 48 yards. A nice little trend there. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I just, yeah, I see the value in this. He faces a Raiders team who, I mean, they're just looking pretty dismal. They've allowed 24.9 points per game alongside 108 rushing yards per game as well. There's real value in ETN to go and get 100 yards just because the Jacks just look flat. They've picked up Calvin Ridley, but obviously he's going to be for the following year. It just sums up what they think of their passing attack at the moment. So back ETN to pound the ball. Yeah, completely agree. Made Damien Pierce look very, very good a couple of weeks ago as well when they played the Texans. Um, yeah, not the greatest rush defense in the world at all. Uh, what game shall we look at next? Do you want to go let's to take you me. first? Yeah. Uh, no, let's, let's go for let's go for New York Jets, Buffalo Bills. I'm okay. intrigued by this. Okay, <laughs> I understand why. Jets Bills, huge AFC East game in the grand scheme of things. Um, you can't ignore this game when you look down on the spreads this week. When you look at every fixture, you cannot ignore this one because there's a big old number involved. It's 12 and a half, and it's moved a little bit this week as well. It's been as low as 10 and a half, it's been as high as 13 and a half in places. I don't actually know where this will be on Sunday, but for the time of recording, it is currently at 12 and a half. The reason why that's a particularly interesting number is that is the that makes the Jets the biggest home underdog with a winning record because, of course, the Jets do have a winning record. Mm. Don't forget that for 15 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> Since 2007, I believe uh, it was when the Patriots played someone, uh, of course, in that incredible regular season. Um, that alone makes me want to go to the Jets. I mean, it has to. It's been a year for the underdog. This really has been a year for the underdog. Just ask the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've run into quite a few, quite a big, a uh, few double-digit underdogs. And the Jets, they've been an underdog pretty much all year, four and three. I think they're underdog pretty much every week. Um, but yeah, four and three is an underdog this season. All told across the NFL, the record currently stands for 20, 2022 underdogs, 67, 51 and three against the spread. There's profit there. There's profit there if you bat the underdogs against the spread this season. The Bills are fantastic. Don't get me wrong. The Bills are great. There's a reason why they're Super Bowl favourites right now. But the Jets have a very, very sturdy defence. You can say what they want about the offence. Obviously, Brees Hall's not there anymore. But it's the second best defence in the league, essentially. Um, uh, the Jets, they, they can keep the score down. They could, they've could. they got big playability as well with Sauce Gardner. He's really kind of coming into his own now. Tough task against Stefan Diggs this, season, uh, this week, of course. I know. But the thing that really gets interesting about this one, it's a weird kind of wrinkle to the Bills' stats as well, is top and a half is a huge number. If there's generally fewer points in the game, that makes it more likely for a cover. The Bills are 6-1 and one to the under this season, which is surprising. 
It oh, is right, surprising, yeah. but they're six and one to the under. Granted, their number is a little bit higher than most teams, of course, it is because it's the Buffalo Bills. But still, I think this is a team that are very composed this year. I think they've been very close the last couple of seasons. I think they're very aware that this Super Bowl is not going to be won in November, in October. This is this is a season that's going to be won back in February. At the minute, they're not they're not worried about just annihilating teams. They're not worried about going out in the fourth quarter and just kind of rubbing face in the dirt. They're not worried about that. They want to get the win, and they're quite happy with that. I think the Jets can cover 12 and a half. I think it's quite big. I think the defense is good enough to keep the Bills down low enough to just about cover. They're not going to win the game. Of course they're not. The Jets are not going to beat the Bills, but 12 and a half is just too big for me. Yeah, definitely. I just hope... I think Zach Wilson might be the worst quarterback in the league. I hope wow. we get... I hope we get Mike White to come in or even Joe Flacco. I think Joe Flacco was moved to third quarterback, but Zach Wilson is so bad. But I agree with you with the D. It's obviously Robert Sala. I've got that Niners link. I, yep. love, I love me some Sala. And... They are so good. I think Source Gardner will be able to keep pace with Stefan Diggs, to be honest, and that is going to be the matchup to follow this game. But they have got, he's got players. As, he's got as good a chance as any, hasn't he? Pretty mm. much at the moment. Yeah. They've got players on every single level. And it will just be important. It's game management for Zach Wilson. And they have a competent rushing attack, and the receivers are really good. Tight ends are stepping up. Tyler Conklin looks really good. Yeah, I think I think I definitely think this well enough line to a home team as well is yeah. far too generous. But yeah. I think yeah. Zach Wilson is appalling. <laughs> Maybe so. But I look at that tight game against Miami as well. I think yeah. that's better than yeah. Miami. I think, that at least on par, very, very close. Obviously, that was the two game where he went down as well. Yeah, I just think 12 and a half is too big and a little bit disrespectful to the Jets. And that's where I think the value is this week. Um, we will go to you then. Uh, where are you heading for your second pick of the week? I'll go for another young quarterback and go for Justin Fields. I... I've been very up and down on Justin Fields this year and to start the season, I just could not believe what I was witnessing. But over the past four weeks, he looks like a brand new quarterback. In terms of fantasy scoring, obviously, take it out with a pinch of salt because there's so many different variables with that. But over the past four weeks, he's been the number two quarterback in the league, which is just, who would have thought that? In terms of the actual development of his numbers, through the first four games of the season, he he was averaging 17 pass attempts per game. 117 pass yards, 51% pass accuracy, and only eight rushing attempts per game. You move that through his last four games, 23 pass attempts, so six more per game, 192 yards over 80 more per game, 61% pass accuracy, and a huge one, 11 more, well, 11 rushes per game, so up three more per game. He's actually looking like a good quarterback, and they're really trusting him. What's around him is not good, don't get me wrong, but... They've made some really big moves over this past week with the trade deadline that I think are going to be really important to this game and what I'm backing. I'm backing him to have the over in both his passing line, which is 172, and his rushing line, which is 49 and a half. You take those last four games, he's hit the over in all of those. So there's value there immediately. But on offense, they traded for Chase Claypool, who's immediately going to come in and be their number one receiver. So they've got at least somebody's getting more open looks downfield and they're going to take some of these open defenders, middle linebackers and other, and the safeties, they're going to bring more attention to Claypool and ultimately Darnell Mooney as well, which is going to leave more open field for Justin Field to scramble into. So big improvement in terms of he's going to be able to pass the ball more and also scramble more. The important thing with Fields is the more he passes, the more he drops back. He's a scrambling quarterback because I still think he isn't the best passer. Mm. I think he trusts his legs a lot. And when he drops back, he can see the play develop in front of him and see those open holes to run into, which is really important. 
I think he will easily clear that rushing line. And then, yeah, the big thing for the passing line for me is what they've done on defense. They've traded away Robert Quinn and then massively they've traded away Roquan Smith as well. Roquan Smith is the quarterback on defense and he is their absolute leader. Obviously, he was going to leave them anyway. He said he doesn't want to play for the Chicago Bears. But he is so important in terms of setting that defense, picking up different changes in play and making sure everything is happening right. He's a heat-seeking missile in terms of breaking up plays and forcing big turnovers as well. So without him, I think we're going to have a serious drop-off. They're facing Miami and we've seen what they're capable of when everything is healthy. Their offense is so good and it's got the potential to score so many points. So I think we're looking at a potential scenario where the Dolphins are going to run up the score. And that means the Bears are going to have to chase, which yep. means more passes for Justin Fields, which means he's going to get more passing yards and more opportunity to scramble. I think it all just adds up. So I really like this yeah, this line here. You can get you can pair them both up for 13 for five. I like it. If they need to chase, it's a good job of Copper Claypool, isn't it? <laughs> um Okay, I'll move on before anyone even you know gets that into the head. Um, oh man, week nine is Super Bowl week. It is Super Bowl week for the Detroit Lions. I'm telling you now, Ford Field home game against the Green Bay Packers. Dare I say the hapless Green Bay Packers at this point? Um, I came very, very close to going Detroit Lions money line. <laughs> I, did, I really did. I may even consider it on Sunday myself, if I'm honest, but three and a half is on offer on the spread. A field goal. I'm taking the Lions plus three and a half against the Packers. I, I have no faith in these Packers. Not Nothing. I have not worn iota of faith in the Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur Packers right now. It's an 0-4 slide. The Detroit Lions, look, are they going to do anything this year? They want to say, cost or not? No, cost or not. Are they looking to the future already? They just traded away TJ Hawkinson. Yes, they are. This is their last dance almost in week nine, isn't it? To really do something this season, recover a little bit of pride. Um, and it's as good a chance as any. This is as good a chance as they're going to have to beat these Packers, I think. Uh, the recent record against the Packers is actually really good. Uh, I checked it since 2017, last five years, eight and two against the spread. Against the no, Packers, wow. would you believe? Yeah, they, they keep it tight, which is obviously crucial. So what we're trying to do with the spread here, three and a half. If, if it drops below a field goal, if it gets to two and a half, it's a real dollop of salt job rather than a pinch, I think. But beyond a score, I, I do like it. Um, I think it's going to be a run-heavy game, similar to what I said about the Bills uh, and the game. And That's every game, pretty much, we've talked about this week. Uh, by the Lions, uh, by the Bears, so, sorry. I think there's going to be a lot of rushing in this game. Um, look, the Lions can't defend. We know that. Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, they're going to have success. But it's a similar story on the other side. It's a similar story on the other side. The Green Bay the Packers have the fourth worst rushing D that in D the is NFL. Dismal. I don't know what's happened. You look at that on paper and yeah. the names they had last year, they were so good. What has, that, what has gone wrong? On the interior, it's Kenny Clark, who's still to a certain level, and then that's it. There's mm. nothing beyond Kenny Clark. It's really, really poor. For me, that plays that plays right into the hands of the Lions. They've got DeAndre Swift still there. He came back last week. They've got Jamal Williams, who's having a fantastic year in contract year, I believe. So he's going to be trying to find a move um, later on. I think it works for the Lions. I think it, it it plays into their strengths, which is a mad thing to say when it's the Green Bay Packers and it's always been the big brother in the division. But this is the best opportunity the Lions are ever going to have uh, to at you... least get close. You look at Detroit Lions, I haven't got the stats, but Detroit Lions at home versus, versus on the road, they are such an improved team. Jared Goff in particular, his stats go through the roof when he's playing at Ford Field. 
Exactly. And I believe, don't quote me on this, it might be two, but I think the Packers have only won once on the road as well. Uh, they haven't mm-hmm. been great. I believe they beat the Bucks uh, early on, 14-12. Since then, I'm not sure they have a win on the road. I mean, they've just looked shaky overall, haven't they? I, I, I said it a few weeks ago, I think Aaron Rodgers has checked out. Uh, I really do. I think he's thinking about potentially post-football careers at this point. Um, I think he's done. The Lions are going to have one last swing here before they fully focus on the spring and the 2023 season. They're at home, as we say, plus three and a half. Take the Lions and do you know what? Maybe even sprinkle the money line if you're feeling well, brave. You've, you've, you've turned the mirror off, so I'm going money line on this. Let's go. Let's go. I like this. Okay. Uh, final pick from yourself before I uh, round us off. Yes, I will be banging scary Terry on his over 70. Well, more than his over. I've gone for 75 receiving yards. He can get that five to four. And I'll try not to mention too much for you last week, Ross, where he claimed that it was Indianapolis was his city. I mean, he was born there and we should have yeah. drafted him. Um, so I can't really give him too much stick for that. Um, exactly. Yeah, he, he was named Mr. Football in the city of Indianapolis when he was at high school. So, um, yeah, that's a miss. <laughs> yes, yes. But who would have thought that it would have took Taylor Heineke to come in for Terry McLaurin to actually be utilised properly? Since the change of Carson Wentz to Taylor Heineke, his targets have gone up from six a game to eight a game. His receptions from five and a half, well, gone up from three, 3.6 receptions per game up to five and a half. And yards per game have gone from 61 receiving yards a game up to 93 receiving yards a game. It's obvious. He's he's a number one receiver. I don't know why he hasn't been used. Obviously, we've seen nice flashes from players like Dehan Johnson, Curtis Samuel, different players getting involved. Dami Brown, I think it is as well. They they look good, but when you've got Terry McLaurin, you need to use him. And I really like the matchup here. He's got the Minnesota Vikings. They're allowing the fourth most passing yards in the in the NFL. And to wide receivers specifically, they're conceding 198 passing yards per game. That's the joint third worst in the league. Last week, McLaurin had nearly double the yardage of any other commander. He's clearly Heineke's favorite target. They've got a good relationship there. I think this it's just obvious. It's a soft matchup. McLaurin is the number one receiver. I don't need to explain this much more. I really, really like it. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who didn't watch the Colts and the Commanders last week, he, he picked up the vast majority of the 75 on one play. Exactly. Uh, he, had, he had two huge game. plays. Two yeah. huge plays. I think he had about a 40, 50 reception and then maybe a 30, 30 yard reception as well. So yeah. as I've as I've said before, he's got that big playability, which that is helpful when you're trying to get these higher yardage lines in. Yeah, even though he parted the dagger against my team last week, yeah. I would say he's one of my favorite players in the league. He is. He's kind of He's perhaps not quite that tier one with the likes of Devontae Adams and the very, very top guys, but he's probably one of the best of the tier twos. And he has the opportunity. He's still very young as well. He's got the potential to jump into that top tier. Um, Very, very good play. I love 75 as a line. That's fantastic, I think, as you say, with the matchup. Um, I'll take us home then. I'll take us home. Uh, Clearly, I'm riding the underdogs this week. I picked a couple already, and I'm finishing off with one. And this one... um, I'm not going for the spread on this one. I've got a money line on this one. I, I, I couldn't quite get there with the Lions. But I, I certainly can here. And I, I don't know whether you can explain this to me. Why are the Seattle Seahawks underdogs against the Cardinals? Yeah, God, God I, knows. I don't really get it. The spread is knocking around two, one and a half. Um, they only played three weeks ago. The score was 19 points to nine. It was a 10-point win for the Seahawks. It was at home. But I, I don't think... The home field advantage, certainly in Arizona, is, is anything to really shout home about. Since then, the Cardinals have gone one and one. 
uh, in very high-scoring games. They've conceded 68 points in the last two weeks, the Cardinals. Whereas the Seahawks, since that win, have picked up two more wins by 14 points each. Um, so why are they not favoured? I, mm. I don't get it. I really don't get it. The only, um, the only variable is DeAndre Hopkins is in this game when he wasn't a few weeks ago. And look, he's not Mr. Step. He's DeAndre Hopkins. He's doing wonderful. He's doing wonderful work. Will he have 100 yards and such down this game? Possibly. Yeah, I would not rule that out by any means. He'll probably get the beating of uh, whichever corner Seattle put on him. But I don't think that Arizona defense has an answer for Geno Smith and what he can muster up. And that's a wonderful sentence to be saying in 2022. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's true, isn't it? I mean, he's still, we're waiting for this Geno Smith drop off and him to remember that he's Geno Smith. And he's clearly got amnesia because he's just not, he's not getting there. He's just playing pro bowl football. He had the hardest so. line ever after week one. He said, they wrote me off. I ain't right back though. Just so good. <laughs> It's awesome. It's awesome. He's like be a pro. He's arguably an old pro right now this season. Um, something I did mention uh, in our articles because we both, for those unaware, all of these tips are involved in a Sporting Life article of various degrees, uh, which you can find at SportingLife.com. Something I did write this week is, I mean, combat player of the year. I mean, it'd be Mike. It'd be Mike. Definitely. I mean, yeah. yeah. Saquon Barker's knocking around as well. I think in the betting, but I mean, you know, Smith's a pretty good. But I would say for comeback player of the year, I mean, it's the ultimate example. It's a hell of a story. Yeah, I don't think the cards have an answer on defense. I really don't. They have improved a little bit since what we saw at the start of the season, but it's just an explosive offense. It's third or fourth in the league at the moment. They're scoring points on points on points. And my final point on this is, this is the big game. The NFC West is kind of there for the take. If the Cardinals win, they're only one win back. The Seattle Seahawks have the chance to extend in the NFC West in this one. It's a huge game um, pretty much midway through the season. I don't think the Cardinals are a big game team in any way, shape or form. The one kind of bit of durability and, and fight they've shown this year was the comeback against the Raiders. We talked about the Raiders at the top of the show. The Raiders are a bad football team. There wasn't a hell of a lot in that. They shouldn't have been 20 points down in the first place. That's pretty much all we've seen in terms of fight from the Cardinals. They're 0-2 within the division this season. They're 0-5 in the NFC West over the last five games, uh, going back to last season as well. This is not a team with that mentality to get over division rivals, to kind of make those plays when it really matters. They've got players here and there who can. Jandra Hopkins would be the obvious. As a collective, I don't want to dig out Kyler Murray too much, but as a quarterback, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen enough. And the Seahawks are one of these teams where even though they're in a great position in the NFC West, obviously have that chance to extend, as I say, there's still very little to lose with the Seattle Seahawks because they were never expected to be here in the first place exactly. anyway. They're playing with... They're, they're, I've never seen Pete Carroll smile as much mm. on the sideline this season. He's loving life, isn't he? He's the oldest head coach in the league. He looks literally 20 years younger. He's doing an incredible job and they're just shining. And I cannot understand how Seattle are... Uh, underdogs in this game I'd be taking the Chelsea Ox money line all day long and I'm, I'm sure you agree with me on that one yeah you know my thoughts on the Cardinals I've been down on them for a long time and it's not just my Niners showing through I just there's so much wrong with this team and it really stems down from Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime the GM they got six-year yep. extensions last last summer and at the time it was just there was no explanation. They looked, they sure they went seven over, eight and over last year, and then they fell off a cliff. I don't understand what's going on. And to be honest, I think Cliff Kingsbury would be potential to be losing his job mid-season. The D has looked 
very much improved since the start of well since week one where it was dismal it is looking very good now and there's no explanation to what cliff is doing like you say with tyler i'm mixed on him i i can understand where he's good and where he's bad and he shows he's obviously an amazing rusher but for some reason it's like he does not want to rush he only does it when oh kylo it's the fourth quarter we're down 20 points can you do your thing again that's when he'll be called into rush. And he just doesn't seem to do it elsewhere. Yeah, I really don't get it. And the chemistry and the relationship between those two, we saw on screaming at each other on the sideline. And he was saying like a lot of expletives, but it was calmed down. He was screaming Kyler to Cliff Kingsbury. It's just not a well-run team. I, yeah, I'm really down on the Cardinals and Seahawks. Like you say, I do not understand why they are underdogs. I want to see Kyler be a football player. I want to see Kyler really take games where they scuff the neck and just kind of put that team on his back and do it. And it just doesn't really happen that often. It doesn't happen enough. It happens every so often. As I said, the Raiders game, it does. The Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders are two and five. The Raiders are not a good football team. Doesn't happen enough. Maybe there's something in, I don't know, if we want to do a deeper dive on this one day, maybe there's something in these players coming in with those big uh, baseball contracts on the table as well, where their mind yeah, wasn't yeah. necessarily in it from the start. Um, they just get a bit weird in the end, looking at you, Russell Wilson. Um, there's a few, <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's something in it. But yeah, I just want, you just want a little bit more from Kyler. You always have, and I'm, I'm, I'm yet to see it uh, on a consistent basis. I'll add in, I'll add in. It is a double XP weekend on Modern Warfare 2. It came out last week. It is a double XP weekend. Kyler will not be on his A game. Never mind Moneyline. Let's take some points off the Seahawks. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, we'll finish off. Yeah, absolutely. Seattle Seahawks Moneyline. Um, and hey, if you want to double that up with the Lions, I'm not going to stop you. And that's pretty much all we've got time for. Thank you very much for listening once again. This has been week nine of the Extra Point Podcast. We'll, of course, be back next week to preview week 10 and hopefully talk about plenty of winners from this podcast as well. Um, let us know in the comments, uh, wherever you are listening to this, if you can, I'll leave a review uh, if we found some winners for you, because that'd be uh, amazing for us to see. Um, yeah, their five-star reviews are wonderful in terms of the algorithm. So if you can do that for us on Apple, that'd be fantastic as well. Thank you very, very much for listening and we'll see you next week.